Hi, you're listening to Latino Labs, and this is Nico. Today's is a special episode. We've been working very hard on episode three of season one and on season two of Latino Labs, but we wanted to share with you some of the other things that we do besides the podcast. Today, we're sharing with you the recording of a panel we held together with the Uma Simecha group here at CU Boulder on Latinx scientists and their careers in STEM. There were great discussions during the panel, so I'm very, very happy to share this with you. Thank you very much to Masimecha for hosting us. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. You can check us out at latinolabs.org. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I'm Andrea again since we did the tour. Um, I'm in chemistry grad school, third year, um, and I guess, okay, I was born in Colombia and we moved to Florida when I was pretty young, I was four. Um, I grew up there, went to undergrad at UF in Gainesville, the Gators. And, um, and then for grad school, I came out here. I didn't really look too hard. I didn't know very much about Jilla, where I work, until um, my sister moved to Denver to do an economics thing. <laughs> and um, since she was there, I figured I'd like look around and I just kind of happened upon Boulder and like I kept clicking on things and we kept saying like good things and so now I'm here. Uh, yeah. And I guess I met Nico because we work in Jilla and then one day he ran into my office and was like, hey, let's do a podcast and let's make it be in Spanish and let's also make it be in English and let's make it about science. It'll be really great. <laughs> that's, that's basically what happened. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm Alina again. I was born in Dominican Republic and I moved to New York City, upper uh, Manhattan when I was three. And then when I was 11, I moved to Miami, Florida. And then I went to undergrad at Florida International University. And then I came here. I cried when I got accepted because I was really excited about doing research here. Um, but you know, it was very interesting getting exposed, getting the culture shock of living here. Um, I'm currently in, oh, no worries, it's okay. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the chemical physics program, but I'm, my home department is the chemistry department. I am also Andrea's roommate. So I got to know about Latino labs through Andrea and here I am. I'm Gabo, I already said that. Um, I'm a second year astrophysics grad student. I, I was born in Ohio, uh, but I, I grew up in Puerto Rico with my family. And um, I did my undergrad at Penn State after finishing high school in Puerto Rico. The UPR, the University of Puerto Rico, by the way, has mango trees all over campus and every, <laughs> every season, They'll just like be on the quads waiting for you. Um, fond of memories. Well, we grew mangoes in my backyard in Miami, so. <laughs> Tears everywhere. Um, and so after that wonderful experience, I went to the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. And uh, after four years of that, I said, no, it has to be pretty if it's going to be cold. And <laughs> So I came out here to Boulder uh, to do to look at the sun. 
I do research uh, about the solar cycle, like sun's magnetic field does some weird shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we forget things, we say things, whatever you want to say anything, to say it. So my name is Nico, I don't think I said where I was from. So I was born in France, but I grew up mostly in Colombia. So I'm half French, half Colombian. And I did my undergraduate in Colombia. I decided to stay there because I don't, I'm not a fan of the French uh, university system. We can talk about that another time. And then... Um, Actually. Huh? Actually. <laughs> uh, after undergrad, um, then I applied. So I have, you know, I, I, I stopped school for a year. I went to China. Then I came back to school. Then I looked at the U.S. research opportunities. I got one and I figured, you know, I could continue. So when I applied to grad schools, I, uh, I got accepted to one, which is the only thing you need. Um, <laughs> I mean, really, because you only can go at one at a time. So uh, I went to and then I came here. Turns out this is an amazing physics environment. Um, and so I did my PhD at JOA, which is where I met Andrea, and uh, graduated, as I said, last year. And then. Uh, started as in this kind of weird science management breach communication position, which is the assistant director of research. My job is actually to connect researchers and to connect people across all the stroke campuses. And so uh, I have to do a lot of talking, a lot of, and a lot of, a lot of writing. And uh, I got the idea of Latino Labs um, a long time ago, but it takes, there's always an excuse to put it off, right? Like you always like, there's no time. They're all grad students. Or yeah, he has a real job. Wait, I have, yeah, I, and, and when I was a grad student, there was no time because there was always no time. But then you find time to do things. Uh, and then uh, there was I was accepted to a science communication workshop, and that was kind of my motivation to try to get this project up and running. And that's when I ran to Andrea's office. I was like, Hey, I heard you exist. Let's do something together. Uh, um, we had friends in common, so that's that's how we were connected. Um, and because the idea was to produce content and not to consume content, and I could not find a good short podcast in Spanish that would would be fun to listen to and would also be informative kind of thing. And I really got growing up, radio was really big, and then uh, when I got here, I really got into podcasts. And so, kind of starting from that motivation, I wanted to develop something that I would want to listen to, basically. Um, and I think it wasn't, it didn't seem to be that weird because it wasn't very hard to convince you guys yeah, to join in, right? And so the idea of the podcast is, I'm sorry. So the idea of the podcast is that it has to be short because we all have things to do. Um, and so it has to be of good quality that you want to listen. It has to be entertaining. And the idea is to cover any topics from science, technology, society, policy, whatever. And it has to be less than 15 minutes has to have the idea, the format of the podcast is that we go out, we do interviews on a one topic per episode, uh, we curate those interviews and we discuss them, and that's how you get to listen to them. So the idea is by the end of the podcast, you've learned, um, you've learned something, but you've learned about how do people do science, and that people make mistakes, and that scientists are humans too, and then, and hopefully by us doing it, you also then find out that a lot of scientists sound like we do with accents and from everywhere yeah, it's more about the process and the scientists themselves than like the research yeah it's not like a news about science it's more about so we did one episode for example on what needs to happen for scientists to do their jobs a lot of things need to happen that are behind the scenes yeah they're not reading a publication filled with jargon to you yeah 
and uh, and then so we did an episode on machine shops and the people that do careers on like helping the scientists build the experiments and those people end up building experiments that win Nobel prizes or several Nobel prizes but they never are they're not mentioning the publications but they're like key and you know that's also a career in STEM that people don't talk about and um, we have one coming out on electron microscopy and how it has been changing the way we look at the world and we look at biology and chemistry. Um, and yeah, as, as Andrea said, a lot about the process. Yeah, so usually we'll talk to someone like uh, a professor and, or someone who works in the machine shop or whatever long term and also a student to see the different levels of, um, of your career. Right, so you've got someone who's been doing it forever, is tenure maybe known throughout like what you would think of as a scientist, and then you've got us like minions running around trying to figure it us out. Us minions. I'm um, not a minion. No, you're not. That's true. <laughs> yeah, um, we work for him. Yeah. <laughs> us no. minions. Well, uh, if you were to be a PI, then we will work for. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I might. I might be a PI. Really? I might, I might be growing up. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, he's gonna Ooh. grow up into. Uh, An adult scientist. I just wanted We're to say before, right now. before we continue that the other <laughs> idea of the podcast is that we are Latinx and we identify as Latinx and we speak Spanish and English and we should be able to have a podcast in both. So that's why we, each episode is producing both languages. Yeah. Uh, all the interviews are dubbed and they're not badly dubbed. I'm pretty happy at how we do it. Uh, and uh, that's why in the website and everything we produce will have both English and Spanish. Um, and the idea is that as we produce more and more content, people from all over will be able to consume the content, both in the U.S. and outside the U.S. Um, what yeah. else? I have a curious question. Who here is in STEM, any of the STEM careers? Are you interested in going into grad school? Not, not really? It's a, <laughs> not, not for STEM. Not switching for STEM. Gears. No, you're switching gears. What's... Oh, so what are, what, are, what are your two majors? Astrophysics and philosophy. Someone's going to follow science. Oh. Yeah, but um, no, I think that's really cool because we need more like people in politics that know, that know science. Yeah, that's yeah. really important. <laughs> and um, I was going to say something as well. So, you know, I, I, I thought this would be a good idea, but the Latino Labs team, Latino Labs is about science and technology. So we're all like from STEM disciplines, but I do have, uh, I've been also working on like our larger network, the larger network Latino Labs has people from science policy, people from, you know, anthropology from the Spanish department, graduate students and professors that are Latinx. So if you're interested in having a panel with a little bit more diversity in the careers, we'll also be happy to help out with that. Uh, but I guess today you're stuck with us. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, I guess to you, yeah, so I guess we'll just open it for questions. We just came here uh, with the idea that we could have a conversation. Uh, if, any questions about anything, about you know, how do we get here, salaries? How do we keep sane? <laughs> uh, how many hours do people work in grad school? Um, and I don't know, anything. So just, 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 or if you have no questions, then we can also just, you know. What's up? Alright. So. <laughs> okay. So I know last time when you were here, we asked how like being that next influenced like your situation in right. being a scientist, and you said you didn't encounter that much like prejudice or obstacles because of that. But with like the other panelists, like have you experienced like blatant racism or like questions of your competency based on how you identify? It's 
I guess I'll start. It's not that, <laughs> just putting myself out there. Um, it's not that I experienced blatant racism, but more of I noticed that there is a social structure around science that I am not, like, I'm not really familiar with the society. And so navigating through that was very difficult. And I'm really good at, you know, I can blend in. Like, that isn't necessarily a problem, but there's like a lot of little social cues that I didn't realize. A lot of, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, they haven't met anyone like me. And so I have to like realize, okay, it's not that they're bad people. <laughs> it's that they're ignorant towards, you know, people that are like me. So I kind of have to feel like I have to explain what I am, <laughs> who I am. Um, and then it, it got to a point where it's like, I don't even have to explain who I am. It's just, they will learn when it's time for them to learn. It's not my responsibility to teach anyone. And if I am, for whatever reason, turned off by something they say or something they do, I kind of just see it as they have no tact or they don't have tact in this particular area when it comes to talking to me. And so I no longer have bear the responsibility of, you know, this, this, uh, uh, how would you call it? Interaction? Interaction, yeah, just the fallacy of that interaction. Like, it's totally okay for them to be themselves, it's totally okay for them to be me. I'll learn from it, but I won't, like, carry any pain from it anymore. So, um, I guess there's two things. One, completely unrelated to what you said <laughs> that I'll start with because it is related to that. Uh, there is kind of a sense of you're, you are in a different culture. So, I think that inherently, like, stereotypical like Latin culture and stereotypical science culture are opposites, right? Like, science is quiet and structured and blah, and then we're, like, loud and, mm, and all those things that are kind of annoying to hear but are a little bit true. Um, you just have to marry that with your personality. And yeah, it's not like, it, just as people are really, like the other end is no social skills and it's not really their fault or anything. It's not my fault that I'm kind of like, I'll talk to you. And it's kind of strange in Jilla where everyone kind of minds their own business and they just go and do their thing. They don't make eye contact with anyone. And you kind of just learn that, yeah, you're gonna say hi to people and they're gonna at first be like, Oh, hello, I guess, hi. But then slowly, I don't know if you got that a little bit, but I, uh, yeah, I had trouble with that for a while because they didn't really know like how to respond, but they'll get used to it and it's not your responsibility. Um, the one thing that I have in kind of, it's not like racism or anything, um, but they don't assume I'm Hispanic at all. I just don't look at it, I don't sound it, none of that reads. So when um, I'm asked, like, where are you from or whatever, Sometimes I just leave it at Florida and then sometimes I say something, but I've stopped. Sometimes I don't say it anymore because I get weird comments. Like sometimes it's just the, oh, I'm surprised and intrigued, so let me say this thing that I think is funny, but it's really kind of like, mm, maybe don't say that. Um, and when Narcos came out, that was like all, <laughs> all I got whenever I met anyone new. They were like, oh, cool, drug running, sweet. <laughs> maybe don't say that. So that's the extent of discomfort that I've gotten. The, on the Latino side. Um, I'm sure Lena and I could talk about being women for days. And, and <laughs> I, I think there should be something to, like, and I think you should. I, I just wanted to say, like, maybe last time 
it's not that there are no quirky things and then you don't have to adapt to a system that is very different and you, I mean I think that's like those questions about where you're from like I am French but when I say I'm French people do not believe me right like period <laughs> like period they will say like no yeah. <laughs> uh, like random people right or I've told people you know you meet and then like my name is you know I like people to call me Nikon. They're like, yeah, I'm not going to learn that name because that's not American. So I'm like, okay. And then I'll just move on. But like those things will happen and I'm sure they happen. I don't know if they happen to you, but they will happen. I don't know if they happen to me. Um, and they shape maybe how I interact here in the US because it's a very different one. So I, I'm an outsider, right? I came here like when I was already old and had experienced other things. Um, but um, I think in the science context, overall, I don't think being Latinx has been a problem for me, but I also think that it's also because I'm a man. So that's where, like, that was my, I wanted to say that, um, yeah. but I don't know, I, I put you on the spot, but you know, it, there is, uh, you know, there is, there's problems. What's helpful is to, like, know that they mean well. I know that sounds really weird. Yeah, men in science have no tact. It's, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I'm not gonna ask. I'm kidding, it's they, they, a lot, some of them do have tact. But it's just, I don't know, you like see it in their eyes after they say something stupid, you watch them like, the horror just creeps into their face and you're like, oh no, I fucked up, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did, but let's move on. Um, so that helps, for me at least, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but just like that understanding of you, you mean to be able to relate to me, you just haven't figured it out, and the more we interact, the better you get at it, and so this kind of improves over time. Yeah, it also like depends on how like emotionally strong you are at the moment. Yeah. Like I, I had a couple of years where I was very emotionally weak, and so like anything you did was like the end of the world, and emotional pain turns into physical pain for me. Like I automatically feel it in my body, and it's just a lot of it is trying to create some sort of strength for myself. So if you are like me, where you're very emotionally sensitive to everything around you, like, I can go on forever on how to deal with that. <laughs> um, I share the experience with Nico that a lot of this is mitigated by being a guy and also passing very convincingly. Not Latino. Um, and so the, um, what I've, I've noticed, not in my personal interactions with, with the people that I, um, that I work with, more in a, when I, when I went to college for the first time, I was definitely not as prepared as my, as my friends who had grown up in the US. Um, all of them had taken like, Calc three times before doing physics one, and I, I was taking everything at once, and it was overwhelming, I guess. Um, the and you'll get the the people that mean well but don't know how to relate to you at all, and <laughs> some of them may never learn. <laughs> And then you're just gonna have to accept it, yeah. But they'll uh, get there. Like yeah. in general, not, maybe not those specific people. Yeah. But yeah. Everyone else will get there because everyone else who watched someone say something weird to you also knows that that was wrong. <laughs> so they might like later not do that to someone else. Stuff like that. They yeah. 
It's um, being Puerto Rican is also an interesting intersection between being like, yeah, what their idea of you know a Latino is, and then like you're still a U.S. citizen. Yeah, exactly. It's and I was born in Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) So it's uh, for me, I I. I was lucky in that my both my parents have been scientists since I can remember, and so the the Latino scientist wasn't a, a an issue for me to blend the two cultures together. But it's uh, yeah, I've been very lucky. Yeah, my privileged. My parents are not scientists or remotely near. I mean, you could say that um, an electrical. Um, mechanic does science a very very applied science and then a a beautician does like somewhat like chemistry i guess so my dad does a little bit of physics very applied physics and my mom does very applied chemistry and so i'm a chemical physicist in that regard like yeah i got it from my parents but like when i told them that i didn't want to go to med school they were like okay so what are you gonna do like oh i'm thinking of going to grad school in science and they're like oh you could do that okay as long as <laughs> as long as you end up all right that's fine but like I had no guidance from my parents whatsoever in that regard yeah I, and I I um oh, I wanted maybe to ask because I don't want to leave too bleak or too happy of a picture but like I guess the question of um and and maybe leave it at that but do, do you think that being Latinx and in particular being a Latinx woman has like, have you had like the, the impression that sometimes you get is like, definitely for the previous generation, and I think it's still true for this generation, um, that you have to work a little harder to, than, than your male counterparts. Is that a feeling that, that you still get? And do you feel like you, you can have a career in, uh, in STEM um, as a Latinx woman and be successful? Or like so far in like your careers. Um, I, I think. Oh, yeah. sorry. No, go no. ahead. No, no. You you look. You sound like you know what you're gonna say. <laughs> I think that it's it's insidious because you don't notice it. I think that that's mm-hmm. what it is. I think if we were all to sit down and like have a recorder with us everywhere we went, we would notice things. But you don't know because you grew up with it, right? Like being in science or not, you're still a woman, and you get talked over no matter where you are. And this is like a documented research thing that in any setting where multiple people are talking women are just like run over like I even oh it was so sad I listened to a thing about how even in the supreme court like the with female justices are just consistently just plowed over by the of the males as well as the lawyers it, this is like everywhere so it doesn't matter that it's in science or not we're just used to it and I think that's maybe a good thing and a bad thing. A good thing, I don't feel worse about it. A bad thing because it's still going to affect my career. Because if someone didn't hear me talk, because I got talked over, that still means that they didn't get to hear me talk. Even though I didn't feel too bad about it in the moment because I'm just used to it. Um, so I think it's something that like the men in the room have to be aware and not and like be conscious to not do that. And the women have to be aware and assert themselves more. And that's... Uh, frustrating but it's kind of the reality right now and it will eventually balance out but it hasn't balanced out yet so it's kind of a 
Yeah. Stick to it. So yeah, we're kind of like trailblazing into um, being members of a society where not many of us are there. It's like I was talking to um, this woman in the environmental engineering department here at CU, and she's she's Latina, and she told me that the farther up you go, the less support you're gonna get from people that look like you, or the people that are like you. And so that kind of got me thinking, like, oh my God, I have to like make myself very resilient, or else I'm never gonna go up there if I want to. And then, you know, like even now as a grad student, I go to physics colloquium, and not only am I the only few, few women that are there, I'm like the only one that is either Latino or African-American. Like, so I stand out like a sore thumb. Like, <laughs> and so there are so many times where I do want to ask a question after a presentation um, of a scientist that comes from another university, and I end up just shutting myself down automatically. Like, women don't usually ask questions in physics colloquiums. Women that are, and then let alone women that are brown. Like, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Like, it's, and so I, I have to start thinking of it. It's like, I'm not doing this for me, but I'm doing this for the next generation. Like, I have to start asking questions. I have to be a PI at a university because I want to be visible. Not for me, so that, but for if there's another little girl, another little brown girl out there who wants to be a scientist, she'll see someone that actually looks like her and feel like she could get support when she gets up there. That's really what's keeping me going. Go ahead. No, it's okay. But, um, so with that, I think, comes like the idea of being loud culturally for like a lot of like, black people. So how do you also deal with that like hurdle of like always being? Oh man. Uh, yes, I am very loud. Yes, you are. Um, yeah, I'm very loud, and I've been loud since I can remember. I've been kicked out of class in elementary school because I'm loud. And then my mom would tell me it's okay because you're Dominican. So she would quickly forgive me. Um, <laughs> uh, so, what was your question again? <laughs> I think that impedes like, a lot of people's ability to want to speak out too. It's just like the fear of being called out because the connotation is if you're loud, like there's a problem with you. Yeah, I know, and, and especially if they're not used to hearing someone like you speak, just you speaking just sounds loud. I mean, like, it's not that I'm saying it loudly, you know, it's just, you're speaking up, therefore, you know, people perceive your contribution to the conversation as louder than, than the, you know, than the contribution actually was. So it's like, women speak a lot less when women and men are together, but men seem to, like, feel that the women just spoke even as much or more than men do. It's just... And so I, I spent a lot of time just sitting there and thinking like, okay, what am I gonna say and how I'm gonna say it because whatever I'm saying is gonna have a lot more impact than it should, which is probably a good thing, if, depending on what I'm saying. <laughs> so I've always been quiet, so it's kind of a, just have to speak up more, and that's just always gonna be weird for me. Um, so I I think a lot of institutional change needs to happen, and I think in certain places it's happening more. I think so. We we've cited a few results from research, and 
even though that is not enough to expose scientists to results from research, you, you would expect it would be enough. Like you would expect to be like, oh, look, implicit bias exists uh, in science. And they'll be like, oh yeah, right. Uh, but, um, let's fix it. Then, yeah, let's fix it. They'll be like, no, 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 but it's, it, it exists, it's but not, it's, it's yeah, not me. It's that, this is new research that says that people do that, which is like, you know, they're humans and humans are complicated. But um, speaking about this more and actively having this be a topic of conversation, like a conversation that needs to happen. Like everybody needs to be aware that these things have happened and they're institutional and then you might not be realizing you'll be harming others, you know, might be realizing that your perception of others um, is dictated by the biases you have. <laughs> and so um, I, I do, I, I personally feel there's been more talk about this in the last five years uh, than in the previous five years, even though I was not quite in the U.S. for 10 years, but you know, I, I have been connected to kind of the U.S. academic culture, a culture for a while. Um, but that also might be because I'm inside, you know, I, I made this part of my mission as in this job and a position of a little bit more agency and power in an institution to make this something that people need to talk about, need to reconcile, and then we need to be hyper aware of what's going on because you need to come from the other side, like really far away, so like that people, it shakes people a little bit. And I think for, for every time you're not, it's not the first, it's been people before us and there's going to be people after us, but every time the goal is that it's a little bit easier. And so, um, you know, having a podcast in Spanish is like a small thing, but uh, there needs to be, it's ridiculous that there's no podcast in science in Spanish that I want to listen to. Yeah, my family in the Dominican Republic is really excited about this. They're like, what? <laughs> Science podcast? We just need to actually make the episodes, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing. We all have full-time jobs and right. do have to do research and stuff. But, you know, we're working on it. Um, on a bit of a more... Sorry, are you... No, no, no. Just... On a bit of a more proactive note, though, like, if... Yeah, the scene is loud, maybe you don't talk as much, whatever. I think it's helpful to have support of people that you talk to. So, yeah, maybe my whole class is men, whatever. Um, if I confide in a few of them, then they do, they like, then they're aware and then they didn't know before. And then the next time that it happens and they like encourage you. Um, I think that it is actually not too hard with your peers to make those kind of supports, even though they're not like other Hispanic women. Um, it still helps. I don't know if that's that's just like a comment I wanted to make. I mean, you know, it's not. You are confiding in your peers right here. Right? I am, I know, but what I mean is like if you're in a position where you're like, yeah. oh, maybe I can't talk a lot, whatever. <laughs> when you encourage each other, it helps um, in the moment when you're like wondering if you should say something or not. Because you probably should say something. You have insights. So, yeah. It's, it's been helpful. Your doubts also come from your own bias. You need to also right. fight that. Right, yeah. And that's, yeah. oh, that's, oh, that broke my heart when I read about that. Whoa. About like how if you have people describe their like demographic ahead of time, if it's people who people perceive as like less good at science, if they have to say that, then they do worse because you have that also. We also have those biases in ourselves, and that sucks. So you have to be aware of that too. That's indoctrinated. Yeah, like we all think we're dumber than we are because people tell us that we're dumber than we are. So you can't you can't do that. <laughs> have to like be aware that you're probably smart. Yeah. Turns out we're not that dumb. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Yeah. And this is probably going to just sound really random about like perception, but a very common, um, I've, I've been like 
not a victim, but like I've I've been the receiving side of all kinds of like identities that I didn't realize that I even look like. So um, it's like everyone thinks I'm just all kinds of crazy things. But the one that really surprised me, especially when I'm in a scientific context, is people thinking I'm from India. And at first, I didn't realize why it bothered me so much. Now it doesn't bother me. I'm like, whatever. But and, and the idea is like, why is it so surprising that someone that is either Latino or African-American or whatever is in science? Like, why? It's like, OK, you must be Indian. Like, you must be from India. You must be Asian in order for you to be here, right? And so it's like, that's why we're complicating it, right? Uh -huh. but, but it's one of those things that it's like, I didn't, it's just like, why, why is it so surprising for me to be here? That's really what it is. Any questions from anybody else? Yeah, like... Yeah, anybody else? And also, I don't know how long do you guys have? I mean, I can stay here until 7, but I don't know about them. But, you know, we don't, we're not in a hurry, but... I can uh, You're in a hurry? Yeah. So if you have questions for Gabo... Do it now. Uh, okay, so just really quick, like, maybe five, ten minutes. Can you just tell us about what you thought about school is important for... Oh, boy. Why? Why? Why is it important? I don't know, man. Okay. <laughs> Can I start? Right, He's very important. Go, 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 go yeah. ahead, man. Um, I don't know. And that's, um, that's something that I'm recently coming to, to terms with. It's, um, I, I chose grad school because I, I think that I have the potential to be a good researcher and a good scientist. Um, but science is a tool of the capitalist oppressors. So... <laughs> I've been thinking about that. There's a, there's a, actually, this past December, there was a conference in, in Chiapas with uh, the Zapatistas about decolonizing science and what it means to produce knowledge that's revolutionary and uh, emancipatory. So it's important because knowledge is important because we want to have, like, knowledge feeds us and lets us, like, do all sorts of crazy things in the world. Um, but it's useful to remember that it's, it's a crappy, it's a fucked up system for everyone, especially us. And that, yeah. and that maybe we want to think about things that look Adjusting it, like adjusting the system. So adjusting it, come on. We're like dismantling it completely and then starting from a fresh right, guys. No, but no. like, it doesn't have to be this shitty. We, we, can, yeah. we can imagine stuff that's better. And if, we, and if we can imagine stuff that's better, then you know, maybe it's worth it to, for everyone to try to like, think about better stuff. I agree. If I if I may, in, yeah. I just wanted to give some context about so like the the structure of graduate school. Uh, so the idea is that you know you need to become the best in something in the world, in right? You get field. you get to that boundary of knowledge. So this is the romanticized way. You get to boundary of knowledge and then you may push a little bit, and that's like when you know okay, you can have a PhD. Here's your diploma and, and supposedly right um, <laughs> but but it's the, the structure of the phd hasn't really changed in the last 300 years or 200 years so the idea is you're an apprenticeship so you go and there is this master 
and then you go and like you you learn from the master until like you know enough to like make a contribution. So like kind of that's the, the perspective. But but it's not connected to reality. It hasn't evolved. Like it hasn't really evolved anything. To society. Right? Like and then and certain disciplines have evolved even less than other ones in their approach to how do you structure this, how do you structure learning, what does it mean to be creative, right? Suddenly it's important, like you remember, oh right, like humans are pretty good at being creative. We should we should try to foster that again. Because at some point it was like, no, you need to like learn by heart, do like reproduce, etc. That's how you learn, by redoing. And um and that can feel very shitty. It's also shitty when the structures are when you arrive and you're the only the one that looks different or you're the one that doesn't know how the system works because you know you might be the first one in your family to get a PhD, you might be the first one to leave in college, and then you're immediately in a disadvantage, and the system is designed such that you don't matter, in the sense that if either it's like very, it comes from a from a very kind of like you know the best survives, and if you don't survive it's because you're not good enough, thank you for coming. And I think that's a really bad approach to building knowledge and to build like kind of builders of knowledge. And, and then I think there's, um, anyway, so blah, 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 context. Yeah. Uh, because I agree with you in many things. I think, uh, I think we all will have different approaches, like experiences in grad school. And I think different programs, for example, at CU even, there's very different like experiences and your experience will be, I mean, it would, so many things will matter for you to have whatever experience you have. Um, but it can definitely be better. But it's also a very, I mean, it builds you as yeah. an experience, no, right? It, it like makes you, it gives you space to think because if you don't think, then that's what you need to do to survive, right? Uh, that's, and, and that's one of the things that I'm struggling with. I think that science is good for everyone and for, for society, but also, you know, the way that it's done right now is not the best for society and for everyone. It's for a very select few, like very, very small slice of society can work with that system, that societal structure around science. Science is completely independent of how crappy humans are, right? That's not true. <laughs> that is not true, yeah. That science is done by humans. Yeah. And part of it is that the process is was made up by humans and that the process of like the scientific method is just the best thing that we have right now. Maybe is it the best? And, and how do you read out what is not scientific method, right? Like traditional, yeah. uh, traditional knowledge. And you know, there's a lot of non, like we call that non-traditional knowledge in science because it's, it's very funny because it's, it comes from other means, but I was going to suggest you should, I mean, we should talk later. Yes, yeah, we um, should. I had a, this is very, this is very good. Um, so there's a very good philosophy class, uh, graduate class, um, and looking at models and all this, this construct kind of the process of so the science building and knowledge building and how it's very circular. Yeah. And then there's like, you know, there's paradigms that you grew up with. And then usually experiments, for example, that don't agree with the paradigms are usually ruled out as outliers until there's enough of them perhaps and then you don't know what's up but there's always this attachment to paradigm but it's very funny so if you look at this and you're like okay you think about paradigm experiments you go into like revolution crisis states until a new paradigm emerges and then you start again right and then you get indoctrinated in a new paradigm and you go again and when you try to look at the past and apply this it just turns out it takes about a generation every time because you need to wait for the old people to die 
<laughs> in order to like, like it's very non-scientific. It's a scientific method. It does not work because the people that are the most powerful in the field will like rule the experiments as outliers until they're gone, and then now those become the new pattern. It's really interesting. Um, anyway, yeah. I wanna yeah yeah. Right, I want so those texts, but also yeah, I need to head out. Do you wanna answer the question of <laughs> why is grad school important? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. He does for not. <laughs> Alrighty, I guess. Uh, yeah, you should. Do you want to tackle that? Do you want to, somebody wants to tackle that? I, I can tackle. Well, I guess why grad school is important to me. Well, several reasons. One, I'm fascinated by energy, and I think we we humans suck at harnessing energy, and so I wanted to com to continue to study that. I also just I wanted to challenge myself. So it's not like grad school is necessary for you to be a functioning member of society or even to get into this field, but it's just an opportunity for me to learn um, or just to get discipline in, in just handling people at a very high stress environment. So I had a lot of people that are telling me like, don't go to grad school, there's really no point. Um, but I was just like, no, I wanna do this because I'm gonna learn more than just science by doing this. Um, so it's, I, I think with grad school, it's the same as college. You have to think about, is it uh, necessary for what you wanna do, ultimately? Um, if you, you might not need college, you might not need grad school. Um, if you want to do research, you probably need grad school. Uh, there's basically just like different tiers of education open up different opportunities for you. Um, They'll let you into a lab with a bachelor's degree. They'll let you on some research, some as not like the supervisor or anything, but on some research with a master's. And if you want to decide what research you want to do, you probably need a PhD. It's kind of thinking about what your goals are, what you like, and pursuing that. And I think a lot of people go through high school and college and whatever um, just going through the next tier because stopping at any of those tiers doesn't mean you stop because you're not smart enough to do the next tier. It just means you got what you needed out of it because ultimately it's expensive. So grad school is paid for, but it's expensive in the fact that we're being paid way less than we are qualified for, right? Um, not Nico, now he has a real job, but the rest of us. <laughs> I was in grad school too. Let's That's talk about true, my grad school right now, but like okay. right now, when he was in grad school, he was broke. And make like twice or three times as much because we have tons of qualifications. But we decided, you know what? We need some more apprenticeship. We need to learn more about how to learn, about how to do research, and that's why we're in grad school. Because I want to do research. I love research. The first time I stepped into a lab, I was like, this is the best thing ever. And I hated when they were like, now pour two milliliters into this. And I was like, okay, whatever. I want to play. And you know how in high school they were like, don't play. I wanted to play. <laughs> so I knew I had to keep going. And then in college, I was like, okay, well, they won't really let me play unless I have a PhD, so I should go do that. Um, so it's kind of about deciding what your goals are, what you need to do those goals, and then doing, I don't want to say the bare minimum, but the bare minimum. Like, this is your life. I'm going to graduate when I'm like 28 or something, right? And that's maybe lucky. And so it's not like that'd be old, but I could have, you know, had a career sooner. Um, so I think there's like a practical aspect to think about to really be like, okay, this is what I want. This is what I need. How am I going to bridge that? So I think it's important to keep that in mind. Um, that being said, 
you mentioned something about how it's hard to do college and it's hard to do grad school if you don't have anyone in your family who's done it before, if you don't know people who've done it before. And I think I'm going to use a really cheesy analogy here. I think college and grad school are a lot like the room of requirement, where if you know it's there and you know what you want to ask for, it'll arrive magically. But if you don't know that it's there and you don't know that you can ask these things, you'll just walk by this empty corridor. I think there are a lot of resources out there that we just don't know about. And if you start asking people, uh, the first year here I had a lot of trouble because I was just like, oh, I must be very stupid to not know how optis, optics work and stuff. And then slowly, like after I brute forced through it, one of my lab mates was like, dude, we have a textbook that's here and that you were supposed to take. And I didn't know that. Um, just stuff like that, that you should just ask because chances are you can ask whatever question you have. And this applies to not just like things about research, things about your classes, but about the system in general. Like there are resources within all sorts of student associations for basically whatever you need. Not everything, but there are a lot of resources out there is kind of what I'm trying to get across and ask around. Um, so yeah, decide what you need, decide what you need to do that, decide what you want to do, decide what you need to get there, and then look for those resources. They're probably there. So in order to balance there, if you do not know what you want, that's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. So, so my, my, my experience into going to graduate school was, I didn't know, I was afraid. So when I was an undergraduate, it wasn't quite a possibility because I just thought it was going to be crazy expensive. Like the US was really famous for these really high tuitions and stuff. And for me, the discovery that you could get paid and be a graduate student and like get a PhD was like mind blowing. And I was like, wait, what? And then, you know, you go from not earning anything or like, you know, being a student worker and undergrad and then earning something. It's like, oh, this, is, this feels like a job. And having your tuition uh, paid, oh my yeah. God. Well, yeah, and then again, depending on the department, you'll get paid different things and it's really annoying and I was just supposed to be working on that. Uh, let's not get into that. The graduate government. The, um, but graduate school for me, or the way I saw it, and I think that's the way I lived it, was, was a way to become a researcher. And the thing is, like, my undergrad, and I don't know how your experiences were, or your experiences are, or were, um, was very about you go to classes, there are assignments, there are textbooks, and then maybe there are projects where you're just like, ping, 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 and then the next deadline is like in two weeks, right? And uh, it turns out that's not how like the world works, like either for research or for jobs. Like, you know, you need like projects can be like very long. You need to be able to plan ahead. You need to like define milestones or whatever. turns out, I think we need to start, you know, deconstruct from the undergrad up or high school up because I think the system is really weird. So basically you graduate with a physics uh, degree, but then you do not know how to do research because that's not what they teach you because you can't really teach to be creative, you can't really teach like to do research. You need to learn, you need to make mistakes, you need to like experiment and play in order to like develop intuition to be creative. And so graduate school is for that. Now, the, pro the way it's structured for different programs is like maybe better, maybe worse. My own experience was pretty good. I arrived, I did not have like a particular project in mind, did not have a particular discipline in mind. I, even, I did physics, but I was like, I came here because there's also an engineering school. And uh, you go to talks and then you decide whatever it sounds interesting, let's do that. And that's kind of how I approach things. I did not know optics. I learned everything here. 
um, by asking uh, and then trying to not look dumb. And then it turns out you look dumb if you don't ask, so you should ask. Yes. Um, and I TA'd for the first year, which is, you know, it's it's good. I mean, I think it's it's hard and it was very good for me because then I relearned physics because I had to teach it. Um, and, and then I went into a lab and then at every point in the, the way I felt like I was an imposter and didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. Turns out you know things and then eventually um, you start contributing and mentoring other people and stuff. So you learn all kinds of skills that are very useful afterwards. So um, for me, grad school in physics was an extremely good use of my time, even though if you, you know, if you compare it to how much money I could have made on the side, I probably lost like $200,000 um, of lost opportunity, right? Of, of six years of careers I didn't have. But it's not, I didn't get in debt. I could leave, I could have some beers. Um, I went hiking and stuff and that's free, which is great because, you know, this is a pretty special privileged place. Um, but I learned how to be creative. I learned how to make mistakes. I learned how to like learn, how to learn from my mistakes and not to be intimidated by, you know, there's a million dollars in equipments in my experiments. And if you break something, it does hurt you a little bit that, ooh, I kind of just destroyed like $3,000 worth of optics. Um, but turns out, I mean, it's the price of doing science, I guess, of doing physics, which is really annoying, which is, you know, there's all kinds of inequalities in, in, in the scientific field. Um, but it turns out, you know, I had a very privileged career and then, you know, I learned to do that. I joined the graduate government. I did a, kind of a minor in like science policy. I am going to project management and this is why I have the position I have now because it marries kind of research, communications and policy together. So I kind of build my own kind of career and I have to market it that way. Um, and I would say my story is probably in like, you know, kind of the best experiences you can have in grad school and the terrible experience you can have in grad school. And the annoying thing is like, they should not be terrible stories. Uh, but as Andrea said, if you want to go, you think that you would like research, you should try it out. Worst case scenario, you'll be like, this is not for me. And then you go on, have a successful career in something else and make tons of more money. Uh, which is like, you know, uh, or have, you know, it's much easier to have a family outside academia. Uh, which is something that is changing more in certain places. Oh, also all of these complaints, sorry, are also vary for US based ones. So it's very different to go to grad school in another country. Uh, there's more funding here, uh, but work-life balance is much better in Europe or Brazil, or you know, if you're considering going to grad school there. And work-life balance is probably worse in China and India. So like, depends on what you want to do. Uh, but it's interesting, and but you do have to learn to be more loud and to be more assertive and to be more sure of yourself. Ask a lot of questions. Yeah, but that's good because it's kind of a protective space to do that, right? Uh, I can't get fired. I could. Oh yeah. But I can't, right? I couldn't. Now I can't. Because I have a real job. I right? mean, you do have situations where people will like subtly kick you out. Not like they'll say like, I don't think you're a good fit for this research group. I've actually seen that before. And so like they have to go and look into other research groups, but a lot of times they just end up leaving the department completely. Oh yeah. And so I've had, yeah. Yeah, but usually it's not if that the professor common. says that, the student feels it already. They just didn't confront it. They just didn't know if that was normal or yeah. not. Because I think like, basically in grad school, your advisor is like, it's everything, right? Um, it's the biggest decision you'll make in grad school is who you're gonna work for. It's and a if the fit, it's, it's <laughs> I've heard that it's more important. 
That, well, I would say it's, an, it's a marriage in, in, in like also the statistics. Yeah. It lasts, in like the average marriage in the US lasts Every six to eight year. years, and so does the PhD. And then, you know, yeah. there's other things, but yeah. Uh, cool, thanks a lot. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Do you wanna, should, oh yeah, should we let people go? I guess it's 6.30. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you have any closing statements, go ahead, but... Okay, if you guys wanna, wanna keep on going and stuff, it's good, but if not, then thank you very much for having us here. Uh, we like to talk, we have a podcast, so uh, if you want to talk, we are a resource that you can use. You already have an amazing group here and I'm sure you know that you all are resources for each other. Uh, but, you know, please use us whenever you want, check out the podcast and if you want to, if you want to participate in the podcast uh, or thinking about doing a podcast, uh, come talk to me because uh, we are, season two is going to be way more I'm hoping that it's going to be way more like having a lot of different episodes in pile being developed by people wherever they want to go. And then I'll just help them do that. And then we'll release them all in the summer. So if you have ideas or you think that you would like maybe to, to tell a story through sound, uh, just, just, just come talk to me, send me an email. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for having us. Thanks all. Okay, so before we close, does anybody have any final announcements? <coughs> no? Lost your chance, okay. So, uh, anybody who is doing Activismo, uh, please come see me after the meeting. I just have like a quick thing to run through. We don't really have to spend a lot of time on it, but we do need to get some stuff done. So, besides that, that's pretty much it. Thank you all for coming. And go check the Google Drive about Mention Nationalism. Please let us know when you're going to be leaving and how you want to get there. Alright, cool. Well, I can show you uh, if you guys just want to...